0: now we are just uh, plugging i don't know a very 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 small part of the total distress that uh, informal sector workers face at this point of time
1: you're listening to sushow the director of india labor line one 800 9020 is the number that workers across india can call to receive counseling about any grievances in relation to their work like unpaid wages or an uncompensated workplace accident Among those who called this number was Yellappa. Srihari Palliat reported on Yellappa's story for the data journalism website, India Spend.
2: So Yellappa is a, a, a migrant labor who's from uh, North Karnataka, a district called Kulaburugi. Uh, and this is among one of the uh, poorest districts in, poorer districts in Karnataka. And he is someone who's been living in Bangalore largely. He's a construction worker. He's a helper. He's been here with his wife. He tends to go back to his uh, village in rural Kalaburghy, you know, once or twice a year, based you know based on requirement. If there's a festival, if there's a function, he tends to go back. Uh, and he largely works in the construction sector. Now he had worked uh, for a construct uh, for a contractor for a few days. In fact, I think five or six days. And him and his wife, in fact, had worked. And they were uh, promised a certain amount of, I think, uh, 5,000 odd uh, uh, was owed to him and his wife. And uh, the contractor sort of uh, gave excuses, didn't make the full payment. And, and that became a big problem for them. Uh, he had you know tried to reach out to this uh, contractor multiple times, and that didn't work out. Yalapa is among thousands of
1: migrant workers who wait every morning at one of Bangalore's several labor stands to seek work from
2: construction contractors. Uh, especially with Bangalore, I mean, you're seeing, you know, how how the city is sort of growing in the past you know, couple of decades. There's a lot of focus on real estate, there's a lot of construction work. So there's a lot of focus on, uh, you know, informal workers sort of coming in from uh, North Karnataka, which is relatively uh, you know less developed. In fact, some of the districts there are some of the poorest districts in the country. So places like Yadgir, Gulbarga, Bijapur, you find a lot of these uh, workers coming in. Uh, and and you know interestingly, what what I also found was I was doing this uh, story a couple of years ago. Of course, I mean you have you see a huge. Uh, Gig work sort of an economy also in fact uh, you know many of them sort of come with their uh, spouses I mean, with their wives uh, and their families initially of course they might just travel alone and but eventually uh, you'll find uh, uh, the family members also coming some of the women who are traveling with them sort of uh, 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 are, are either sis- that you know wives or sisters or s- somewhere related to them uh, you would you would find people like helpers, you know, masons. Uh, uh, you know, uh, they might be doing some specific skill work in terms of uh, let's say using machinery. So based on that, their uh, you know uh, the 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 payment, the remuneration, income sort of are, are staggered. Uh, some of them, you know, for, for men especially, uh, you'll find people who getting paid from seven hundred onwards. It, up to around 1000 1500 so 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 uh, you know especially helpers and uh, let's say masons they might be paying getting paid much lower than the uh, uh, others but uh, you know this is this is the kind of uh, uh, you know work that you would specifically see especially the men do of course i mean in terms of women it's largely that the the pays are restricted to around 500 600 uh, a day but much of their work is just very low scale, you know, basically construction uh, support. I mean, basically, they're carrying uh, debris and helping with, you know, uh, helping in the construction. System.
1: Yellapa's case is not unique. He is one of 56 million people employed in India's construction industry. It is the second largest source of work in India after agriculture. Nearly all of them are part of India's four hundred and eleven million strong informal workforce. You're listening to the Nagrik Podcast. My name is Aju John. The significant majority of work in India, over 90% of it by most accounts, is informal. Not only do they not benefit from social security schemes such as employee state insurance and the Provident Fund, they are also not protected by the laws that regulate employment. They have no paid leave, for example. And even for that narrow slice of India's workforce to whom these laws apply, Access to any mechanisms that can provide them with any redress for their grievances or hold employers accountable is not guaranteed, as Chandan Kumar, the National Coordinator of the Working People's Coalition explains.
3: If you go by the data that only 10% of the workforce have a basically access to the so-called grievance redressal system. One factory inspector on 550 or kind of 600 factories uh, will be will be monitored, will be inspected, or will be facilitated. If you use the new labor code language, will be just by the one factory inspector. So technically, you don't have any grievance redressal system at all in India, where will workers will go and report their issues and their grievances. There is no such system. Large number of these workers are migrants, informal workers. Workers are employed in the unorganized sector, and that's the whole crux of the issue that that in india even though workers would like to go and address or register the grievance, but the state have not provided them any adequate system one labor inspector uh, can handle uh, cannot handle more than more than 50 uh, or 75 establishments. so even we go keeping in mind the current situation and the current labor governance mechanism in the worst i would say that 100 but not be, be beyond the 100 and 100 is also that's too much uh, for the one labor inspector because you have to keep going inspecting whether there is any safety committee when there's any safety audit has been hap- has been happened if the workers complain that the, i'm denied of my minimum wages or i'm denied of my compensation then there is a basically job by the labor department to go and inspect you know take the workers view, take the take the you know the impl- employer's view find out the reason that why such things has happened it's a it's a tricky and the technical job i mean come on i mean you are compensating you have a desire to build a 5 trillion economy which our honorable prime minister always claim and always intend to do so but not on the bloods and sweats of the working class particularly and if you really want to bring back or maintain or you know kind of preserve the dignity of the workers you need to do certain things and for doing certain things it requires a lot of investment and this system this whole uh, the current labor market system are not ready not even interested forget about readiness they are not even interested to address the address the whole issue and therefore i feel i feel that there has to be very clear demarcation about the whole reshuffling and reform of the current labor governance system where you have to find it out how many establishment we have to find it out how many migrant workers how many informal workers there's no clarity there's no data there's no nothing thinking about that even though i say that you know i need i need like a a one lakh labor inspectors in the city of mumbai i'm not sure if, if even even that will be sufficient until you have a very clear idea about the need the demand and the number of uh, you know the number of the labor inspectors or the labor department officials to capture the need of the workers i was i'm just coming from a city called gandhi dham a day before yesterday it's technically it's a tier three city it's not even the tier two city but tier three cities if you talk about the whole municipal municipal and the civic issues it's a population of gandhi dham as a population of uh 2.5 or maybe 3 lakhs population, 3 lakhs is absolutely in the category of Tyathri city, and but 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 just like a 50 kilometer away there are two big ports one is Kandala one is Mundra, Mundra port run by Adani and Kandra port run run by the government of India Ministry of Shipping but if you go to that area that particular the the port corridor you will see at least 200,000 workers, and those workers are not registered at all. So, how will you say that? How will you? Uh, I, I'm just giving you one case study, and, and I, I can give you so many case studies like this. It's not about Tire 3 city or the Tire 2 city. It is a very, very conventional thinking, Aju. You have to first find out how many industries. What are the big industry you have to go by the go by the industrial line like if there is a port then uh, linking with the port how many industry like how many manufacturing sector what kind of construction industry what kind of you know like uh, the big automobile sector so i think it's 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 a very very tricky question uh you can't you can't basically propose any policy solutions by 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 going with this whole conventional thinking of tire two tire one tire one city you have to go by the you know kind of the new thinking which will be in line with the industrial setup and then you have an idea that how many workers and once until you don't have the data of how many workers have been, are coming or have been living around look at the living condition and then you will have clarity that how many factory inspector or what could be the size and the format and structure of labor governance
1: despite progressive laws and long before the role of the state in labor protection diminished on account of neoliberal policies a large labor force of unregulated informally employed and unprotected workers survived in india As Professor Ravi Ahuja writes in his article A Beverage Plan for India, Social Insurance in the Making of the Formal Sector which is linked from the description of this episode I quote Welfare never became a universal social right or an integral attribute of citizenship in post-colonial India Unquote Even after independence, the large majority of Indian workers never benefited from the labour legislation of the 20th century because they worked in small-scale enterprises that were exempt from any obligations under those laws
3: if you if 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 you want to be called as a worker if you want to be recognized or 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 your identity has to be proved as a workers there is a certain threshold uh, there is a certain, certain threshold uh, you know institutionalized or established in the labor laws and it is not today <laughs> it is historically been done for a very long time ago for example if you want if you want esic uh, if you want to be eligible for the ESIC, which covers eight out of nine, uh, uh, you know, uh, indicators of social security as prescribed prescribed by the International Labour Organization, for that there has to be one establishment and at least ten and the more workers should be working there, and then you are eligible for the ESIC. If you do, if you, if uh, uh, if you go to any uh, certain factories, some very big factories, and you go and you say that hey. Uh, uh, there are ten and more workers. Why? Why can't you give the ESIC? Uh, and then the employer will basically create a very false report or the false file. And even though there is a fifteen workers, but on the record they will showcase that there are only seven workers. Because once they will showcase that then ten and more workers are registered with that establishment, then you have to provide them ESIC. If there are twenty and the more workers, then you have to provide them PF, the profit and fund. So these are the social security threshold which limits which limits unorganized workers to access and even though there are some areas where the workers are eligible but the employer basically manipulate all these documents and the papers where they restrict those workers on that but my argument would that whether it is a one worker or the 10 workers or the 15 workers all workers should be eligible for for statutory social security entitlement that is not happening
1: you're listening to chandan kumar on the nagrik podcast i'm aju john If you liked what you've heard so far, please share this episode with your friends and colleagues. That really is the best way you can support our work. You can also write to me at aju at with your feedback and your suggestions. On this podcast, we learn together to become better at public life. In previous episodes, we have learned about labor organizing among India's gig and platform workers, about how a waste picker union in Pune organized into a cooperative, about how forest-dwelling people have developed grassroots level democratic practices for the governance of forests, about the global campaign that delivered significantly cheaper medicines during the AIDS crisis, and about the struggle to protect Niyamgiri Hills of Orissa from mining. You can listen to these episodes on all major podcast platforms. All you have to do is to search for the Nagarik Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean or Google Podcasts. When you find our feed, you will find the older episodes as well. Subscribe to the feed to know when we release a new episode. Now, we listened to Chandan Kumar with the Working People's Coalition explain why the large majority of Indian workers did not receive the protection of labor legislation. Srihari Hari Palyat, whom we heard from previously on this episode, found that this held true for Bangalore's construction workers as well. Uh,
2: the best they can sort of do is, you know, collectively go meet someone if that is possible. If there is some kind of, a uh, let's say... Uh, Many of the workers sort of travel with, um, you know, their family. There might be a contractor or a mason who's sort of supervising them, who's a family member or a friend from the same location. Uh, but it is possible. I, but the problem is that, you know, with that kind of a system, it becomes very really difficult for them to sort of, you know, Take them on in terms of, you know, saying that, you know, we were promised this much and you haven't given us because they're either your relatives or your close friends or, you know, somebody you know in the village. So that becomes a big challenge. Uh, and, and the only other option then is to sort of, you know, negotiate, speak to them, you know, try your best and hope that, you know, you sort of retrieve that amount at some point. But, uh, there's, there's a fair possibility that, you know, they may not be able to sort of, uh, you know, to retrieve that amount, and that's when you need systems like this, where a third party sort of gets involved uh, and sort of negotiate for you, because then uh, there is seriousness involved. I mean, especially from an employer's perspective or a contractor's perspective, uh, in terms of you know them knowing that there is someone else involved, and there is that this could get uh, slightly tricky for them.
1: You can read Srihari's journalism and other stories at www.indiaspend.com India Spend is a public interest, data driven journalism nonprofit. You're listening to the Nagrik podcast. The Nagrik Podcast is a part of Nagrik Open Civic Learning, a project to radically reduce the inequality in acquiring the knowledge and skills to effectively participate in public life. We do this by publishing free and open learning materials. For example, right now on www.nagriklearning.com, that is N-A-G-R-I-K learning.com, you can learn for free from a course on labor and decent work in supply chains, about how workers can organize for better conditions, even as the production processes of goods are no longer contained within national boundaries. Earlier in this episode of the Nagarik podcast, you heard from Srihari Palyat about Yellapa, a migrant worker in Bangalore's construction sector who had been denied wages
2: for work that had been done. Uh, and Hosakerehalli uh, is where the outreach uh, uh, sort of happens for the India Labour Line. The, the Bangalore uh, Facilitation Centre sort of reaches out to this... Uh, sort of so it reaches out to this uh, location and during that process he got this card and he was you know he tried to he, i mean he decided to sort of uh, utilize this uh, label line number the helpline number and then through that process uh, through a you know process of counseling negotiation is when he sort of was able to retrieve the uh, wage payment mm-hmm. uh, and 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 that's when uh, uh, you know, he he was able to sort of this entire process sort of took him around three four months, and it, it's a very small amount, which was around three three thousand or four thousand rupees that was owed to him, but that is the uh, you know length to which contractors tend to go. Yellapa had called
1: one eight hundred eight double three nine zero two zero, the India label line, which has been operational since July sixteenth, twenty twenty one.
0: Okay, the Indian labour line which was started uh, last year, it's just just one year now, we have completed a year now. Uh, You know, basically we all saw the distress of migrant workers uh, during the COVID. It it drew national headlines, the plight of migrant workers. Uh, So many of us were engaged uh, in uh, assisting
1: migrant workers, uh, lending out whatever helping hand we could. That was the voice of Sushowandhar, the director of the India Labour Line. Of the many heart-rending scenes that followed March 24, 2020, when following the sudden announcement of pandemic control measures, tens of thousands of daily wage migrant workers in India suddenly found themselves without jobs or a source of income, few captured the sense of urgent flight, like the scenes from near the major bus terminals and railway stations of cities such as Delhi, Mumbai and Bangalore, where thousands of daily wage laborers and migrant workers gathered, waiting to be evacuated back to their homes. This most visible expulsion of migrant informal workers from Indian cities immediately shed light on their lack of any meaningful social security and became the impetus for setting up the India labor line. So after the COVID pandemic, coming. I mean, the huge uh,
0: lockdowns and other things were over uh, we could feel that even though that distress is not at that level uh, in migrant workers who are basically uh, engaged in the informal sector are are not no better even uh, after the withdrawal of COVID and there are a lot of issues uh, regarding their wages regarding the payments employment many other things so we thought that we could start a helpline to assist the migrant workers who uh, are mostly in the informal sectors in need, and that is how the Indian Labour Line came into being. So it's basically uh, it was also you know assisted by Ajivika Bureau, which is Rajasthan and Udaipur and
1: surrounding districts have around eight years of experience of running a helpline. Ajivika Bureau which helped the Working People's Coalition set up the India Labour Line and provide legal aid and mediation services to workers through it, was established in 2004 with the aim of making migration for work more equitable and less harsh. It functions through a network of facilitation centres in the rural areas of South Rajasthan out of which workers migrate, and in urban areas of Gujarat and Maharashtra to which they migrate. It had set up a labour line for Rajasthan in 2013. We now listen to Santosh Punya, who leads Ajivika Bureau's legal aid work. The English translation of Santosh's words is voiced by my friend, the anthropologist, Jagat Sohil.
4: The day before the 2020 COVID lockdown was announced, we announced that our Rajasthan-based helpline, which we had been operating in partnership with the government and named simply as labor line, would become a COVID helpline. Workers could contact us and we would provide them with the relevant
5: information So traffic the traffic on that helpline increased
4: considerably Whereas we had been receiving between 80 and 100 calls on average every day, it increased to between 500 and 700 and even touched 1,000 calls every
5: day. We have never seen a bad estimation, but if you look at the micro-studies, according to 150-180 crore people who are a seasonal circular migrant worker,
4: We realized the necessity for such services, and not only during such crises. Studies show that there may be between 150 and 180 million seasonal migrant workers in India. That number increases if we include the number of interstate migrant workers. There are between 430 and 440 million people working in the informal sector who may benefit from such services but are completely invisible. Based on this experience in Rajasthan, we understood that this service needs to be made available in other parts of the country as well. To do that, the Working People's Coalition, which is a nationwide network of activists and trade unions, with help from the Azim Premji Foundation established the India Labour Line in April
5: 2021. So India Labour Line
4: its headquarters are in Mumbai, and its response centers are in Bangalore, Hyderabad, Mumbai, Delhi and Lucknow. From October 2022, it will expand to 11 other cities.
5: And from October 2022, it will expand to 11 other cities, South East,
1: North When Srihari Palyad reported on India Labour Line for India Spend, the helpline had until June this year, that is 2022, registered more than 3,600 cases. This did not include calls for information on welfare entitlements. The sum of money in wage disputes amounted to Rs. 8 crore. We started with toll-free number and
0: uh, we set up five centres basically in Mumbai, Hyderabad, Bangalore, Delhi and Lucknow. So that is how the India Label Line came into being. In fact, our main telecounselors they are located in Mumbai and we have five centers which are basically state centers as we call them as of now, state facilitation centers which are located in Mumbai, Bangalore, Hyderabad, Delhi and Lucknow. Uh, in the second phase, that's starting October, uh, this was a pilot phase. We have 18 months pilot phase and in the second phase, Ajit Paranji, Philanthropic uh, Institute was very kind to lend their helping hand to start this project. Uh, so, in the second phase, we will be expanding to 11 new cities uh, so that will it will look a national helpline. But even now, we have received cases from states where, where we are not also present. So, we have two types of calls. Huh? One is basically calls relating to information, information about the BOCW or the construction workers' card, which is given by the construction workers' board, uh, BOCW card or ISHRAM or various other welfare schemes for informal sector workers, as well as standard things. I mean, <laughs> anything is of use to them. People don't have other cards. Huh? So, how do we have another card? We face calls of that. So, we categorize the calls mainly into two categories. One is, of course, the information calls, the second is, uh, Calls with specific complaints. Now, what are these complaints? 95% of the complaints that we receive are, uh, are related to uh, wedge theft. Then we also have calls related to uh, Provident Fund, Social Securities, Provident Fund, ESIC, gratuity, etc., and also about accident cases. So if you look till date in this one year of operation, roughly one year of operation, one year a few days, so 13 months of operation we have till date been able to log in around 3600 cases now when we say cases in our terms it means complaints with complete information all the details otherwise we are not able to log in cases because you know if somebody is calling us and uh, doesn't know the name of the employer or even the minimum basic of the phone number of the employer we are not able to pursue those cases and therefore we don't log in such cases so I mean, we must be receiving twice the number of uh, you know, pleadings for help but we are unable to assist in most of the cases as we la- as workers lack, uh, are unable to furnish us with vital information. Now in uh, many of the cases uh, we try to help the workers with information but it's not possible always because the geographical expense is huge. We don't have such a huge field force uh, which will be able to assist workers in this case. So 3600 uh, number of cases have been lodged by us. In terms of rupees, if you look at the claims made by workers, it's more than 8 crores, uh, 8.4, 8.5 crores to be precise at this point of time. We've been able to settle uh, pending claims for around 2.5 crores till date. 70% of the calls that we receive are for information. Okay, So, uh, it's, it's actually, you know... Uh, six six and a half times the call so thirty six hundred cases means that we have received around you know twenty five thousand calls till date uh, but you know this is this is nothing if you uh, compare with the plight of the informal sector workers uh, we operate on a very shoe stream budget so we don't have any ad budget uh, worthy of reporting of writing home.
1: call center is located in mumbai and runs from 8am to 6pm to respond to workers calls india labor line has seven counselors who between them speak hindi marathi Kannada, and Telugu.
0: so so whenever uh, there's a call uh, received by us at our helpline uh, the the team essentially i mean the person in charge speaking of the call essentially notes down all the relevant details which means uh, you know name address then the employer address telephone number of company duration of a contract what money has some has been received what some spending for what reason what were the last communications etc so that's noted down uh, we also classify the cases from which industry is coming uh, so various other things for our internal classification so then it is followed up uh, with the with the employer who's supposedly not paid the dues and uh, yeah, so in many cases we are able to persuade the employers, in many cases we have to do conference calls uh, with the, uh, both the worker and the employer and that's how the cases are pursued. Uh, we call up some employer and their employer after, you know, three, four rounds of discussion, three, four rounds of uh, trying to convince him where should pay the money uh, rightfully owed by uh, to the workers, see that I'm not going to pay whatever you do. Then there's no other option and all, all 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 your channels of telecounseling fails. That's when we pass it to the state teams and they do physical follow-ups. If at all there's no response in the physical follow-up, then it has to be passed to the Labour Department or issue notices and things of that sort. So that's what they do. Uh, basically, the state teams are very are very small state teams. It's one uh, coordinator and two outreach personnel who look after the whole work so it's a very 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 small team which is doing a, a, a stupendous job i would say because you know it, it's it's, a, it's it's a work which involves working in odd hours without any fixed uh, you know timings of work and things of that sort so it's not typically a 10 to 6 or 10 to 5 office job people reach labor at does at around 7 o'clock 7:30 which means that they start from their places at 6 6:30 and the evening meetings can continue till 9, 9.30, which means people reach home at ten ten thirty. 10.30. That's not to say that people, you know, toil every day from 6 in the morning till uh, 10, 11 in the night. But then these are the schedules that they, you know, have to adhere to. The standard is at least we need three calls to circulate, at least three calls. But that pertains to around, I don't know, 10 to 15% of the calls at the most we to follow incessantly six calls seven calls eight calls written correspondences you know the employer sometimes says no 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 this fellow was not involved then we have to take all documents and then pass it on to write to them follow them up so it takes around six seven calls as, as well six seven months as well uh, so it, it's a little cumbersome project and and, and uh, knowing that this uh, this not only the employers who try to dodge us it's also workers are sometimes found missing because these are informal workers who migrate to the city. So they go to their villages where they either don't have a signal or change They frequently change their phone numbers, etc. So, yeah, I mean, you can say 10 to 15% of the calls, uh, I mean, uh, the complaints are settled in three calls. Uh, three, yeah, three or less than three, if one is even fortunate enough. Uh, beyond that, uh, six to seven is, you can take it as the average number of calls that one makes to do
1: so how did india labor line receive those 25000 calls to learn about how they gave publicity to the hotline keep listening to sushovanth on the nagrik podcast
0: see if you look at the informal sector in the country the biggest number of are working in the fields huh? or some sort of a rural proletariat some rural workers now we don't have a reach there and uh, so we are more at destinations for the destinations with urban workers if you look at the urban workers the largest chunk of the informal sector in the urban areas, it's, it's, it's of course, uh, this, uh, uh, what do you call them, uh, the construction workers. They are the biggest chunk. And therefore, we naturally had their case. Secondly, uh, these are workers also who are easy to access because, you know, the labor the, uh, the daily uh, wage workers line up every day to find a prospective employment. Uh, is a place where one can enter with the least number of barriers. Uh, this is not the same case in the industries. It's very difficult to break in the industries, open the, in, uh, enter into the industries. Even uh, we face a uh, certain degree of hostility when we camp outside the factories and things of that sort, saying, you know, the workers and the owners sending their guards and saying that, you know, you can't do anything within some hundred meters of our. Uh, I think
2: the outreach activity, from my perspective, is a very important step because um, uh, one is publicizing it. Maybe you know we use um, some form, maybe internet, posters, etc. But if uh, the team can, I mean, which which it has been doing, which if the team can sort of physically interact with the workers themselves, it it sort of uh, builds trust. Uh, because it's, it's, it's a relatively new uh, process for many of the workers and uh, what the India Labor Line sort of does is they go to these labor hubs like you know, Hossa Kerehalli and a few of the other areas. They also visit uh, places where their uh, workers reside, uh, I think on Sundays uh, and uh, this, this, this is sort of a trust building process uh, that's been sort of, you know, designed into this uh what I observed was that, uh, you know, they sort of visit many of these uh, labor hubs early in the morning, you know, before 10 o'clock, before uh, workers are sort of go, go, go uh, and find work for the day. Uh, this sort of helps them um, ensure that, you know, uh, these cards, pamphlets, uh, you know, are distributed if they have some conversations, uh, if there is some kind of information dissemination that needs to be done. Uh, that can be done. So this physical interaction sort of helps them. Uh, so this word of mouth is how they sort of you know progress. Um, and and uh, if there is if there is any kind of grievance redressal that can be done at that point, they sort of uh, note down the number or they encourage them to give them a call on that helpline number. So uh, once that gets registered uh, in the system in the India Labour Lines system. Uh, they follow up uh, probably the next day before you know 10 o'clock when the uh, workers are relatively
5: free. जिससे state team बताई है, the team में हैं, वो जाके workers outreach करते हैं और वहाँ हैं service success के process
4: Our state teams perform outreach activities among workers. They talk about the services available through India labor line and its successes and the processes. This outreach is done physically at labor nakas, settlements of workers, industrial areas and so on. They distribute leaflets, conduct different types of campaigns and hold small meetings with workers. Other than that, there are social media campaigns where success stories are shared.
5: These days, large numbers of people also search on the internet for the number.
2: I, I can give you one example where, uh, you know, when we were, I was uh, out with the team, there was this worker who was from Bellari again, you uh, know, northern part of Karnataka. And he uh, had worked. Uh, for almost, I think, uh, a week or two for, for at somebody's house, uh, he'd done some, you know, mason masonry work. And um, this was just before the lockdown in 2020, before the COVID lockdown in 2020. And he wasn't paid the entire amount. There were around 8,000 rupees that were still pending. And this person just refused to sort of, you know, uh, uh, pay this worker. Uh, Unfortunately, he didn't have the number, but he recognized the uh, their address. And when you know during the interaction, uh, when uh, they told him that there is a possibility of retrieving this 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 wage amount, he was you know I mean overwhelmed. In fact, he was almost in tears because you know that's how much it meant in terms of you know retrieving that uh, uh, the pending wages, which are around eight thousand rupees. Uh, and and I think uh, in that sense, uh, it sort of helps. Uh, you know, many of the other workers had also said that you know some of their friends had uh, benefited from this process, so they were also encouraging and motivating other friends and relatives to sort of use the uh, helpline
1: We often hear it said about organizations that they become what they measure. So, what does India Labour Line measure? I asked Ajivika Bureau Santosh Punia.
4: We measure success in a few different ways. First, by looking at the number of people we have been able to reach, particularly among vulnerable occupational groups.
5: We measure the effectiveness of our
4: outreach in different sectors and geographical regions. After that, we look at the caseload. How many calls do we receive seeking information and seeking help with the issues that they are facing? The third is the success rate. Of the issues that come to us, how many are we able to resolve and in how much time? This gives us an idea of the extent to which people benefit from this service.
1: That was Santosh Punya, who heads legal aid and advocacy initiatives at Ajivika Bureau. As we learned earlier in this podcast, the India Labor Line was set up along the lines of a helpline run by Ajivika Bureau in partnership with the Rajasthan government. One of the workers who called that helpline was
2: Amit Kumar Gupta. So Amit Kumar Gupta uh, is someone who's from uh, Uttar Pradesh. He had in fact gone to uh, uh, Mumbai. And he, he's basically a welder. He's around 32, 33 years old. And he'd gone to Mumbai to work as a welder. And he'd been working there uh, for around uh, two or three months in the end of from October 2021 to I think uh, Jan. And he was uh, promised around 18,000 rupees a month uh, excluding around three-four 4,000 I think uh, for overtime work. So roughly he would get around twenty-three 000 to 24,000 a month uh, including over time, what had happened was that you know initially he was getting paid. Then he was asked to go do work at Indore, which is in you know, a neighboring uh, uh, state, in the neighboring state of Madhya And uh, f- for the work that he had done there, he wasn't getting paid. And this kept happening. I mean, this continued for around two or three months till I think April is what he told me and uh, that was creating a problem and each time he would reach out to the uh, contractor who was based in Mumbai he would you know sort of continue to delay this uh, payment and you know it was there was Holi which is a uh, uh, important festival in uh, northern parts of India and there was also a pending uh, a looming wedding in his family so he needed that money uh, and there was a few other workers with him who were also not who had, hadn't been paid like him, so that again became a problem. And eventually, uh, he the contractor paid a certain amount of money, which was to be split between uh, three or four other workers, and it wasn't a full payment for all of them. So that 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 was a that was a major issue. In fact, he tried negotiating with him; uh, it didn't work out. So Amit sort of. Uh, looked up, uh, I mean, he was trying to help, uh, trying to figure out if there is uh, some way that he can resolve, maybe, you know, reach out to the government or uh, an organization that can help him out. And what happened was that that he found a number for the Ajivika Bureau uh, helpline, which is based out of Rajasthan.
1: As we noted earlier in this episode, Ajivika Bureau was born out of a concern to make work-related migration less precarious. It offers legal aid, skilling and job placement, linkages to social security and protection, financial inclusion, and healthcare to migrant workers.
5: Basically, 2023 2003, there study a study वो Bird Wing funded study था और उसमें समझने that in the last three four decades the livelihood shifts हैं वो livelihood pattern in the years 2002 to 2003, the World Bank funded a study that looked into recent changes to livelihood patterns in Rajasthan. In southern Rajasthan, including Udaipur and
4: its surrounding tribal dominated hilly and forested areas, livelihoods depended on local forest products and some farming.
5: But
4: In the remaining parts of Rajasthan, livelihoods had depended on farming. The study found that during the preceding two decades, people were migrating in large numbers to enter the market for wage labour in informal work.
5: वो धीरे-धीरे श्रिंक होते जा रही है और लोग पेज वेस्ट में जा रहे हैं माइग्रेट कर रहे हैं और एक-एक तरह के इनफॉर्मल जो जो है उसमें जा जा हैं कि यहां
4: कोई माइग्रेटिंग
5: Neither the government nor the civil society had a response to the issue. Rajiv Khandelwal and Krishnavatar
4: Sharma who had been working on livelihood issues for a long time were involved in this study. They formed Ajivika Bureau in 2005 to respond to this issue.
5: These workers
4: made a big contribution to the economy, but were invisible and could not count on any response to the problems they were facing.
5: इसका ना तो है ना 2005 2005 Mm -hmm. Ajivika Bureau's work began
4: with two issues.
5: The first was
4: that people who migrated out of rural areas lacked a valid proof of identity. In the cities, they would often be subject to harassment by the police on their way back from work at night. Without such proof, they also had difficulties accessing public services. A local government official of the area from where they were migrating then issued cards that not only served as proof of the workers' identity but also contained information about the type of work they were skilled for. Another issue was that people who dropped out of school to migrate to enter the labour market were working in low-skilled and hazardous jobs that provided few opportunities for upward mobility.
5: Ajivika Bureau
4: worked on developing short crash courses that could allow people to at least enter the job market and quickly move up to jobs that required skilled labour. Within a few years, They also came to understand that workers were being denied their rights, for example, that they were not being paid or that their wages were being delayed. People were not aware of their rights under labour laws. They could not receive compensation for workplace accidents and injuries. In 2009, Ajivika Bureau began working on legal literacy and legal awareness.
5: uh, There were also issues
4: related to the women and children left behind in the villages who, thanks to the prevalent feudal system, were also being left out of the the government's welfare schemes such as the the public distribution system and the the Rural Employment Guarantee.
5: They had to be organised through solidarity groups.
4: A family empowerment programme was launched. Increasingly, it also became clear that traditional trade unions could perhaps organize formal sector workers and also those who work on premises but not migrant informal workers who have neither employers nor fixed places of work. They were not able to pursue their claims collectively. This is when Ajivika Bureau began sector-wise its work on collectivization. These are the various areas in which Ajivika Bureau now provides services and also advocates on policy.
1: We now return to Srihari Palyat and the story of Amit Kumar Gupta, the welder from Mumbai who had called Ajivika Bureau's helpline after he was not paid for the
2: work he completed in Indore. I mean, the telecounselor picked up and they made, he he sort of shared uh, the basic issues, the grievance. And uh, the telecounselor then sort of, as a next step forward, uh, spoke to the uh, contractor in Mumbai and they had to go through a couple of calls and then this got sorted. Uh, but at the time when I spoke to him, he was saying, he was telling me that few of the other workers who were with him still hadn't been uh, paid. And because this thing, this this process, Ajivika's Rajasthan helpline had sort of worked, at uh, that point he was just waiting for a few more days. If it hadn't worked, uh, they were planning to, you know, sort of call the helpline again and sort of uh, take it forward. Amit Kumar Gupta's complaint
1: of denial of wages, is quite typical of the kind of complaints that these helplines
5: receive so i head the legal
4: services department of ajivika bureau Workers were not aware of their rights or the provisions of law, so on the one hand we try to make them aware about these rights and legal provisions through legal literacy
5: programs through through small meetings
4: through Only with such awareness can uh, workers realize that what is happening to them is illegal and that there are remedies, remedies that they can claim a lot of this work happens through campaigns, site visits, small meetings, and leaflets <laughs>
5: When we do these activities, we identify a lot of
4: issues. People talk to us about cheating, denial of payment, delays in payment, unfair deductions, and denial of wages, and non-recognition of the employment relationship by the principal employer after a long chain of contractors have disappeared
5: documents information. In such cases
4: we would at first approach the courts with the help of lawyers. This proved to be difficult because informal workers seldom had the documents and the information required to be able to establish an employer-employee relationship, the duration of their employment and what wages had been agreed on. Even in the few cases where we were able to file cases, we realized that the process took so long that we felt it was correct that justice in India was available only to those with both resources and
5: time. We then explored avenues for justice outside the courts.
4: For that, we improved the capacities of our team to conduct mediation and conciliation, that is, for both parties to come together to identify the source of the dispute and figure out ways to settle it. Today, 85% of all cases we resolve are resolved through mediation. Neither party needs to go to court in such cases. In the remaining 10-15% to 15% of cases which enter the system, there may be criminal aspects or they enter litigation in the labor courts after all the pre-litigation aspects have been exhausted. In such cases, our empaneled advocates help file cases and the worker does not bear the initial burden. Overall, we have about 30 advocates on our panel, especially in Rajasthan, Gujarat, and Maharashtra, from where we receive a lot of cases.
5: But 30 panel Rajasthan, Gujarat, Maharashtra. practicing we have about 20 help centers for
4: workers that operate at the block level in rural areas and at the level of large settlements of workers in urban areas.
5: Here, workers
4: can walk in and tell us about their issues. These are also the same teams that perform outreach among workers. After we saw a good response to these help centers, we set up, in 2012, a helpline for workers in Rajasthan. This was useful for us in areas we did not have a physical presence.
5: helpline, physical presence,
4: uh, uh, From 2015, Ajivika Bureau has been operating this helpline along with the government of Rajasthan. It is now an official grievance redressal system for unorganized sector workers. These are the different ways in which cases now come to us.
5: In those state centers where there is a heavy caseload,
4: we regularly organize legal clinics, sometimes even more than once a month. Lawyers who work with us are present at these clinics to provide advice on old cases and even to mediate between them if both parties are
5: present.
4: About 250 to 300 cases come to us every month Each month, about 200 cases are resolved Mainly through mediation and conciliation And workers receive about 45 lakh rupees in compensation or back wages Overall, we have received 24,000 cases Resolved 15,000 cases and workers have received about 38 crore rupees in the last three to four years. Between two and a half and three lakh cases are being registered with us annually. This number increased considerably after COVID, probably because of the popularity of the helpline that we set up during that period.
5: This number increased considerably after COVID, probably because of the popularity of the helpline that we set up during that period. So, predominantly wages like denial, and deductions. Nearly all the cases we receive we are related to wages. To wages. Uh, so, so, fraud, check, wages may check be denied or delayed. So, there may be
4: unaccounted deductions or payments through fraudulent channels, channels or attempted through checks, checks that bounce. The Both remaining cases Though proportionally fewer are significant, they may be related to bonded labor, child labor, and uncompensated workplace accidents.
5: Who or especially, just like we have reached some new areas, industrial workers, contractual industrial worker So, with them, the issue is that their unfair deduction is quite high. PF or ESIC's name, that means PF ESIC contribution, is quite high.
4: Another issue that we have observed recently among contractual workers in industrial areas is that of illegal deductions in the name of state insurance, provident fund contributions and gratuity contributions. We categorize these as industrial disputes. A case came to the India labour so, line recently. A worker at a site in Bangalore fell to his death.
5: And
4: he was survived by his wife and two children. The site engineer and contractor tried to send them away after paying her 50,000 rupees claiming that the worker was also partly at fault for not taking precautions. The police that arrived at the scene contacted India Labor Line. A team from the State Labor Department was also present at the scene. Under the Workmen's compensation law, the compensation for death at the work site has to be calculated in accordance with a formula that takes the deceased worker's death into account. So, following that, negotiations so, at the Bahrain site, we managed to business secure business about twelve lakh rupees to to of compensation from the employer and two and a half lakh rupees to to compensation from the, the labor department.
5: Recently, three weeks earlier, I went to Rajasthan. Palika district, Ambuja Cement had a group of seventy-two workers <laughs> Recently,
4: in Pali district of Rajasthan, 72 workers of Ambuja Cements complained of non-payment of salaries for May and June. When they went to complain to the management, the managers evicted them from the premises and locked them out. For three days, they waited outside the gates but received no help. They eventually called the labour line and our people spoke to the management and informed them about the legal provisions they would have to comply with and that if they did not comply, we would accelerate the complaint with the local administration and with the labor department.
5: They told us that the workers would be paid within a week.
4: Within 10 days, the payment of those back wages totaling 29 lakh rupees for the workers whose salaries ranged from 18,000 to 50,000 rupees was made.
5: In another case, a group
4: of 23 workers from Chhattisgarh had travelled with an agent to Khushinagar district in Uttar Pradesh at a brick kiln. They were working there during October and November of 2021. After the agent disappeared with some money, the employer refused to pay the workers. He forced them to work until the money paid to the agent was paid off. In a way, the workers had become bonded. They made some kinds of representations to the local administration including the collector and the labour department. Eventually, they contacted us on the helpline. We spoke to the collector regarding their rescue and then finally, with the help of the local administration and a local activist, we were able to have them rescued within 8 days. In cases of bonded labour, the sub-divisional magistrate is the appropriate authority. The SDM provided certificates regarding this and took measures for their rehabilitation, including sending them home and providing interim relief of 30,000 rupees. After that, there has to be a hearing, and if bonded labour is established in a summary trial, the male workers will receive 1 lakh rupees and female workers 2 lakh rupees. This group of workers have already received the interim support and are back at their homes while the other procedures are going on.
5: अलग-अलग केसेस होते हैं उनको उनके घर वापस भेजना हर एक पर्सन को इंटिम रिलीफ में 30000 देना और उसके बाद फिर उसकी केस की सुनवाई होगी और समरी ट्रायल में अगर वो लाया जाता है तो हर मेन पर्सन को एक लाख रुपए का सपोर्ट होता है की तरफ से और अगर फीमेल
1: Earlier in this episode, we heard from Santosh Punya about the key indicators of performance that India Labour Line keeps a close watch on. The first is the number of people they are able to reach through their outreach activities, focusing in particular on people in vulnerable occupations. The second is the number of calls they receive, either for information or to register grievances. These two indicators capture the demand among migrant workers for such a service. The third is the number of grievances that they have been able to resolve and the time within which they are able to do so. That captures the effectiveness of the helpline as a method of grievance redressal. So what would it mean if it were to be shown through these indicators that not only was there a significant demand from migrant informal workers for a system that could redress their grievances, but also that such a system was an effective one without being a burden on the judiciary or on the dispute resolution mechanism set up under the industrial disputes act
0: this is not a parallel helpline to government initiative the labor helpline was actually lo- launched to you know uh, to prove and to show it to the government that this is possible uh, there can be a grievance redressal mechanism and if you are doing it with the minimum means and with course no quote-unquote legitimacy because this is an independent organization. A government has much more moral authority and legitimacy in doing such things. So it's very much possible for the government. Now we are just uh, plugging, I don't know, a very 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 small part of the total distress that uh, informal sector workers face at this point of time. Uh, so, but it's, it's more of, of course, of course, it, it helps them primarily, when we help them in certain way or the other, but it's also to try to, you know, ring the bells to the ears that matter that yes, it is possible. In
5: the short
4: term. Our plan is to demonstrate the importance of this helpline and establish a working model. The long term plan is not to expand this model to all areas. That is not our responsibility. Our work is that of capacity building of the worker and that of community leaders. It is to improve their awareness so that they are able to protect and assert their rights themselves. The other aim is to make the systems of the labor department function for the people who approach those systems. The documentary requirements of those systems should be reduced because record-keeping systems in informal work do not exist. Most of these cases are not very complex, so the judiciary is not really required. Many matters can be resolved at the pre-litigation and conciliation stages itself. We want to promote these systems of dispute resolution and make them functional. Those are our long-term
5: goals. So as an India labor line,
3: we have been very, very successful to build that, build that narrative and build that institutions where the workers can complain and the complaints can be also recorded and escalated to the labor department. That's the one thing was completely missing. And we have been managed successfully managed to register those cases in our system and using 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 those data to to basically activate get activated the labor 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 department or the labor inspection system. That's the one thing. The second thing is is that I would say that uh, that recording the cases of social security, worksite injury. So I would say that living condition, working conditions, social security laws, all the basic framework which is needed for the workers, we have been successfully recorded that. And now, now we we have made sure that those 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 benefits, those entitlements can be accessed by the workers. For example, the denial of the wages, we have been managed to we have managed to recover wages of over one crores of rupees which could have been, which could have lost as a wage theft for the workers. So how India Labour Line registered those cases and nobody bothers about, nobody cares cares about whether those cases are reaching out to the Labour team or not. But we have managed to basically get it, get them registered and make sure that those cases are processed in the Labour Department. There has to be proper notice sent to the employer and how employer should be obligated to pay the due wages, which workers are rightfully eligible for that. That is the second thing which India Labour has managed to achieve. That and the third point is also uh, creating a buzz where the issues are being heard to the policy makers, to the state departments, state governments, and also the larger trade union fraternity. That, that, that the trade union fraternity and civil society and the larger working class fraternity are, are now realizing that there's some system. Which is not only meant for one section of the workers or one section of the organization it is for all of us so we are creating and we are building the labor line in such a manner where the entire working class movement the fraternity can own it and can say that you know this is for all of us so this is a kind of kind of the common junction we are trying to build uh, Ajit.
1: a grievance redressal system for all of us says chandan kumar of the working people's coalition is what India Labour Line has made it possible for us to imagine. In the essay that I had mentioned earlier in this episode and is linked from the description, Professor Ravi Ahuja argued that the various labour welfare laws of the mid-20th century may have produced a pattern of graded social differentiation among workers, but should also be seen as creating a, quote, horizon of expectation, unquote. They serve as aspirations for labour struggles and blueprints for legislative initiatives for the protection of informally employed workers. Perhaps the India labour line can be seen as another such step, one that is taken towards that horizon of expectation. It is part of a struggle to craft a redressal mechanism for work-related grievances that works not only for a privileged minority of workers, but for all. And with that, we come to the end of this episode of the Nagrik Podcast. My thanks to the guests who spoke to me for this episode, Sushovandar, Santosh Punya, Srihari Palyat and Chandan Kumar. And I thank you all for listening until its very conclusion. Now, until we meet again for another episode of the Nagrik Podcast to learn together about becoming better at public life, it is goodbye from me, Aju John.